0: The Chris Shearn Show, only on yesnetwork.com.
1: Hi everybody, welcome to the latest and greatest edition of the Chris Shearn Show podcast here on yesnetwork.com and iTunes. It's Chris Shearn, yes, Doug Williams, yes, and we are back at it once again. For more high jinks and hilarity and sports talk. Uh and we'll start off with the reason I like to uh tell everybody why I hate defense attorneys. Um uh, many reasons. I'm, a, I'm an avid watcher of the Dateline on NBC. Uh, and if you want to hate defense attorneys, just watch Dateline. You'll, you'll fall right in line with that. But they're trying to get their client off from what they did, even though they probably know they're guiltier than sin. Here, here's the latest reason why I hate defense attorneys. Um, Ray Rice, his legal team, uh, in his defense uh, of his indefinite suspension, his appeal, They're going to maintain, this is from the New York Post today. They will maintain the video of him decking Janae Palmer, his then fiancee, now wife, is a, quote, cleaned up, whittled down, and condensed version. And the punch you saw, as Ray Rice says, quote, was taken out of context. Now, Doug, if I sock you in the face right now, I'm not going to. But if I did... Is there any context
0: <laughs> that I, you could take a punch out of? It would be like – I guess what he's claiming is there was like a boxing match in a ring somewhere and they showed one punch. Like, like the, him and his wife were fully going at it. That's, that's the only way I can think of him possibly being delusional enough to think that this was being taken out of context as if they were in the ring together going at it in that well, elevator. I,
1: I mean you see the door close. You see the spit. You see his wife go at him and then you see the punch. Story told. Uh, but I, how do you take a left hook to the face of a woman in a boxed in elevator out of? I am so sick and tired of talking about this. You could probably hear it in my voice. But I woke up, and this is the first thing I read in the paper. I just found it. And I'm not making light of the entire situation. But when you have Janae Palmer Rice, you know, copping to the same thing. Saying it was also taken out of context from her point, of view, I just I have to shake my head. As you kids out there on the Twitter to save characters, you know the SMH or SMDH, shaking my damn head, whatever the heck it is. I don't know. I I, I just I do not understand it. You know, I, I guarantee you, when Muhammad Ali hit George Foreman, the punches he threw. <laughs> We're definitely in context. Yeah, <laughs> He wanted to hit him. I don't know how you take a punch out of context, but that is going to be Ray Rice's defense team's defense in his appeal of his indefinite suspension. Doug, what say you?
0: Well, it's one of those things that you just can't take out of context, Chris, because Guess what? I mean, hitting a woman is hitting a woman. You know, it, it doesn't matter what the context is in this situation. So it's just interesting to me that a defense attorney, Ray Rice, whoever it is that decided to use this idea, you know, maybe it's because it's the court of law. Like in public opinion, yes, there is no context for hitting a woman. But maybe this is just a something that they think they can get. Uh, away with something that they think they, they can sneak through a loophole. Is there an
1: amendment to the constitution that I'm not aware of that you could sock your fiance or wife in the face and Well, get away with?
0: Know, like somehow the NFL will screw that up and 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 they'll be able to win this. That's the sad part is that doesn't it feel like the chances are Ray Rice will somehow win this and realize that the NFL was technically wrong to suspend oh, him for right. indefinitely? Wouldn't,
1: wouldn't that be the thing, like a technicality gets the him back in technicalities, I mean,
0: we were on the Yes Men last week, and Lou said, you know, it's one of those technicalities in the NFL, the kind of technicalities that ruin our country. And I think he was being facetious, but there are a lot of those things in sports, especially with the suspensions and player punishment, things like that, where – you can't use common sense. Like even if Roger Goodell had been proactive, saw the video uh, and immediately like banned him from the NFL, Ray Rice would say, "Look, I was wrong to hit my wife, but you can't take my job away. He would say that, and, and that's yeah. what
1: his his lawyers would do. So. And who knows what a judge is going to decide. It's, <laughs> I've seen screwier things happen in the past with our judi- judicial system, uh, so it would not shock me if if this appeal is won. I, I mean, I, I would be at a loss for words, uh, which is tough for me, especially when I have caffeine th- flowing through my veins, but I, I would definitely be at a loss for words. And you, you bring up the commissioner, Roger Goodell. He had his little... Uh, Howard Stern rated press conference on Friday, um, and you tweeted. I don't know if you were being sarcastic or, or you were being. I was being sarcastic. All right, good because Doug tweeted something, and I kind of like. I was like, "What is he?" Because Doug tweets Roger Goodell
0: speaking from the heart today,
1: and for for a split second, I was like, "Is he serious?" But then I said to myself, "There's no way." That I isn't actually sarcasm.
0: I actually ended up deleting that tweet because I was worried. You know. People on Twitter. I'm not necessarily like I'm not a jokester on on Twitter well, because I'm, I work for yes. I, and I know you. I try right. You I know, know me, you, and it still and I took knew, like, you like I was
1: gonna bust your bust your uh, you know what? And I was I said to myself I thought better. I was like nah, he was being sarcastic. Don't say anything and don't make it worse.
0: But I think you know I try and be professional with my Twitter account, so right. I'm not usually my my joking self on there. You're so right. I, d- I understand why people might have misconstrued that. But it. it he, he was doing the opposite of speaking from the heart, Chris, because it was a it was political a prepared, statement. prepared statement. Like he was looking down and reading words. And, <sighs> you know, it wouldn't have been refreshing if he showed up to the podium and just spoke from the heart and said, you know, look, I'm really sorry. I he was like, I would resign. Imagine if he said this. I would resign. But the only thing that's motivating me now is getting right what I got wrong. Something like that and saying, you know, I understand a lot of you want me to resign, but I just want to fix this. A lot of us would have felt empathy and a lot of us would have thought, okay, good on you. You know what?
1: Nail on the head. Good for you. I mean, that to me would have spoke volumes. No prepared statement. Uh, Nothing like that. Nothing on paper. Just go out there and say exactly what you just said. You know, I, I know a lot of you are calling for my resignation, but you know what? I don't want to leave on these terms. Right. I don't want to leave ha- this having been my last contribution to the National Football League. I want to clean this up. I want to get it right. I know I probably deserve to resign, but I want to fix this. Right. And if he went out and just said that and say, all right, I'll answer your questions. How much better would that have been than what he went out? and? I, I, listen, I, I, <laughs> I was in for about 20 minutes but there's just so much you could take from a prepared statement where you're re- like enough already can can and, and this goes from our leaders all the way down the board i'm talking about from the president on down just speak to us you know don't don't have these prepared things where you're reading from a book or you're reading from a prepared state. we're not dummies Look into the camera and talk to us like we're human beings, not like we're, you know, some stupid people who were just born yesterday. You know, there, there's a lot of bright people out there who you could just sit there and talk to. And, and with Goodell doing what he did, it, I think it set him back even further. I do. And Rachel Nichols, I mean, whoo. Where did she come from? <laughs> Put a couple of stars next to her questions at that press conference. I mean, she was fantastic. Say what you want about, you know, Rachel Nichols, but my goodness, was she was she outstanding.
0: Yeah, and I like the TMZ question. You know, the guy came up and said, we made one phone call and we got the video. Like, how did you not get the video? And the problem, I think, with Roger Goodell, people don't want a politician necessarily in this job. And that's exactly what he is. That's his background. That's right. what his father did. He's and- a lawyer. And I think that people want, you know, this is the NFL. This is a league that's based on entertainment and, and fun and football and football Sundays and halftime shows. And we don't want that kind of a stiff, especially if he's getting the the job wrong. And it would have been nice, and going back to what we were just talking about, it would have been nice to hear him say something like, I, leaving on these terms, you know, I know what my legacy would be. Let me at least try and improve this league, improve my own legacy. You know that might come off selfish, but it's it's something that we get. Like mm-hmm. you know what, if 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 you're going to quit your job when you after you do something horribly, okay, maybe it's gotten that bad that you need to do that. But at least we understand the idea of trying to build yourself back and and try and and I don't know what there is for Roger Goodell to do now, but maybe just try and improve this situation a little bit. Yeah. It's- Talking about
1: building yourself back, segue the New York Giants. And, you know, we could talk about Roger Goodell and Ray Rice and this whole situation ad nauseum, but I'm sure as we are both sick and tired of talking about it, we had to address what happened today with the defense team in my estimation,
0: but I, I just, I want to talk about football. <laughs> I want to talk about. And Goodell you know, was at the, at the Giants. Yeah, game. he was. I thought that's how you were going to segue, by the well, way. Well, that, that would have been a good one too. And I, what, what's the name of the uh, Yes Network announcer we used at the, at the intro? Um, oh, know, was, uh, K- Steve Kamer. Steve Kamer. I, I think I'm gonna get him to say Segway, <laughs> and I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna put the audio track right above it when you're doing it. So that'd you're gonna crazy. think you're gonna think you're being all uh, like smart with your segue, but it's just gonna be like Segway. That'd be awesome. Speaking of football in New York, you know whatever your yeah. best segue well, is. Well, there you go. But I, he was there. He was briefly he saw him, was.
1: Uh, and I heard it took him 40 minutes to get out of his car. <laughs> I whatever he, he might have been on the phone, but anyway, I digress. Uh, speak about getting better at your job. How about the New York Giants? Especially, Segway. Especially their offensive line. Um, they were like night and day. You saw little sparkles in week two, you saw maybe it starting to come together in week two. They get the loss. They, they were awful in every aspect of that game against the Cardinals and Drew Stanton. But hey, Drew Stanton just beat the 49ers. So, you know, he's 2 and 0. So that win against the Giants looks a little bit, you could take a little bit more now. I, and listen, Stanton didn't put up monstrous numbers. He was a game manager and he did his job. Uh, and he did the same thing to the 49ers. And the 49ers were 1-2, and two, lost two in a row. But getting back to the Giants, I, I just think you saw a couple of series in that Cardinals game in week two where he said, Oh, interesting. When Eli has time, he could pick you apart. (laughs) And we talked about that in last week's podcast, and you saw that exponentially in week three against the Houston Texans. I mean, and and it just goes to show you, too, when your run game is working, and boy, did it ever with Rashad Jennings getting a career-high 176. I mean, he was a workhorse, 34 carries yesterday, the 176 in a touch. But when that running game clicks on all cylinders – Plus, you give Eli Manning more than three seconds (laughs) after the snap of the ball to find an open receiver, and Victor Cruz catches his first touchdown at at MetLife since 2012, and his first touchdown, and I had him last year in fantasy since week four last year. I mean, things were clicking yesterday, and it was actually (laughs) – they weren't at at the beginning – you had the fumble by Donnell going in for a touchdown, then you had the Diasi bad snap on Josh Brown's first field goal attempt of the season and that's when I tweeted Giantsing. <laughs> I mean if we're gonna give it to yeah, the I Jets, we, we have to start giving it to the Giants too. But as soon as I sent that tweet, they just turned on a dime. And that's the giant football and that's the West Coast offense that everybody was expecting, you know, Eli Manning to master early on. This season, after preseason, was just a horror show. But they just improved on so many levels. And we'll get to the Redskins, you know, the short week in a second. But I want you, I want to get your thoughts on yesterday's game against the Texans. I mean, besides the offensive line, oh, here's the other thing. And I'll just set it up for you. You can knock them down. Antrell Roll, and I was just talking about this with a guy at the gym this morning. Antrell Roll has a big mouth. But we love Antrell Roll because the guy has a big mouth. But then on Sunday or Thursday or Monday, whenever he goes out there, he backs it up. He calls his players-only meeting. And I said to myself before that game yesterday, I did BP, and I was in the studio. I was talking to the camera guys, and I said, you know what? I am looking for a huge game out of the defense today. And barring that Demarius Johnson touchdown pass, they played a hell of a game. Yeah, they, they did. They really did. And it was led by Antrel
0: Roll. Right. Antrel Roll is one of those last remaining original giants. You know, one of the guys that helped with the, uh, you know, the, the Super Bowls. And he, he came up. I want to say he came up with that. What was their slogan uh, for their last Super Bowl? It was like... Um, all in? All in, yeah. He was a big part of that, and he's a big part of the, the, the team, and, and Tom Coughlin has a good relationship with him. He's a great safety. That's another thing, Chris, I, going into this um, this game against uh, Washington. I would normally be worried about Deshaun Jackson and, and kind of the their passing game. But I really like our secondary this year, and that's not a feeling we're used to. We're used to Corey Webster running 5 5 and not being able to keep up with the number one <laughs> wide out on other teams. But going back to, to yesterday, I was really encouraged. Um, I was more encouraged by their offense than their defense, not significantly, but for this reason. Ryan Fitzpatrick just makes terrible decisions. Yeah. He's good for one or two bad decisions a game, but he he was forced to really do a lot of the work with Foster out. And he was forced to make a lot of throws downfield. He was under pressure a lot, which was a good thing. John Beeson not playing. Giants defense really uh, stepped up. But I was really impressed by Eli Manning, um, and it reminded me of Eli before all of these interceptions have started happening and while he had a good offensive line. When Mm -hmm. they had that core of five offensive line with Deal and Soibert and O'Hara and Kareem McKenzie and Chris Snee, Mm -hmm. Eli picked defenses apart. It's just what he did. Um, And now... He's had to change who he is a little bit. He he looks like kind of more of less downfield passing, less deep balls, more of just precision throws, 10 to 15 yards. He and Ruben Randall had, you know, a great chemistry in the first half last night. I really thought he performed well. And look at what he's doing again, Chris, with Larry Donnell. Mm hmm. I mean, how many tight ends has he made who have done nothing anywhere else? Kevin Boss comes to mind. I mean, guys ever since Jeremy Shockey left, really, that have come in not with big pedigrees at all. And Eli Manning has turned them into stars and gotten them big contracts elsewhere. And this looks like exactly that situation again.
1: He he turned the guy around uh, from the Cowboys. Uh, His his name is slipping me right now. Martellus Bennett. Yeah, Martellus Bennett. And look at him now. Cowboys gave up on the guy, basically. The Giants pick him up, and he completely turns his career around. And he's with the Bears now, yep, correct, yeah, so signed I mean, a big contract, yeah, he got a huge contract, so there's you want proof that of what Doug just said there it is right there, and how much did you love
0: the victor cruz uh catch the ball and whoop you know oh wow. step back oh
1: yeah yeah, love well, that there's the salsa lessons right there, I mean that was unbelievable that that that's what everybody expects, and you know it's funny because on Twitter, and this is why twitter's so great there there, there are times where you know you have your issues with Twitter, but Victor Cruz, you know, in this market, he, you know, and I, I can't fault him for for selling himself in other in other areas. You know, he, he he tweets a picture of himself, you know, in these fashionable clothes. He's pushing this clothing line or whatever. And uh, there was something in there about catch me here at blah 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 to, sh- to see these this cl- new clothing line. <laughs> He was retweeting all the fans that tweeted after that tweet saying, why don't you just catch the ball? <laughs> yep. And I just thought, you know, here's a guy. He's from the area. He's from New Jersey. He knows about this area when it comes to sports. People just want, they don't care what the hell you're doing off the field. They want results on the field. So I thought that was extremely cool of him to be retweeting all of those tweets and then not only did he do that and have, you know, the great personality to do that and deal with it, he went out there and had himself a hell of a game. And you know, I think a lot of the success they had on offense was those quick hitting passes. And that that, that was a slant to Cruz that went 65 yep. yards. It was a, it was a 10-yard slant that he just took and took off. And the West Coast offense, as Boomer Esiason mentioned yesterday, it's just finding the weaknesses in the defense and exploiting them. You don't have to throw 40, 50-yard bombs. Right. You find the weaknesses in the defense, and you just exploit the weaknesses. And the Giants did that yesterday against the Texans. The Texans, you know, Clowney's not in there. If he was, I think Watt or Clowney would have had a bigger game. But even without Clowney on the line, Watt still played well. A couple tackles for a loss. Uh, That guy's just an animal. But the Giants established the running game. Eli was hitting the quick hits on the passing game. I think he was something stupid, like 12 for 16 and 117 yards on first downs. That's unbelievable. And, you know, I think the stat we did this morning uh, the first two games, they were averaging like under five yards on first down. And in that game against the Texans, they were getting eight and a half yards. Average every first down. That's what you want to see out of this giant. Is it going to happen every week? You know, it's just one week. See, that's with the Giants. You have to take this week to week. You could be happy. You could be ready to go. Hey, we got to win. Whatever. I'm not saying be a pessimist, but you got you can't get too high or too low. You got to stay even keel with this team because. And here's why I think uh, they have the upper hand on Thursday night against the Redskins. The Redskins were in a down and out, toe-to-toe, like Rocky, Clubber, Lang fight on Sunday. Literally a fight. Literally a fight broke out. Um, totally so, agree. Yeah, a lot of energy, a lot of, I, I, listen, I just think the Redskins exerted a lot more of their energy than the Giants did against the Texans. You know, the defense wasn't on the field as much as they have been the first two weeks of the season, so that's good. You might get Beeson back for this game on Thursday. A little positivity there. Odell Beckham, they're dangling him out there. He might play on Thursday night. Who knows what he brings? But just having him on the field, you know that that changes the dynamic for the Giants. If, if he's eighty-five or ninety-five percent, that's going to open up Cruz in the slot. That's mm-hmm. going to open up Ruben Randall a little bit more. Right now, I mean, you could take Cruz or Randall out of the game. Uh, you're going to let what, what's his name, Preston Parker. You're going to let him beat you. Fine, let him beat you. But as for, you know, having Cruz, Beckham, and Randall on the field at the same time, if Beckham got, you know, if that hamstring is is 100% and he's practicing full tilt going into Thursday, getting Beeson and Beckham into the lineup on Thursday night, plus the Redskins were in that bitter battle against the Eagles on Sunday, I think that adds up to a win for the Giants on Thursday night.
0: I, I think it would be big. And let's remember, Rashad Jennings maybe their most valuable player right now I got because 34
1: carry i mean he, uh, he's a, he's he is a prototypical giant runner right
0: back. and he he's so important because they don't have david wilson behind him i mean he really is their starter andre williams was good in the preseason but we haven't seen much of him no. during the regular season no. so he is such an important player for them you got to hope he stays healthy but yeah i agree i mean look they play at washington and and already chris that idea of going 0-6 like they did last year, it's gone. it's gone. So that is really important for your mindset. I think a lot of the players that were on this team last year, if they had lost yesterday, would have been thinking it's the same story. Uh-huh. We're 0-3. Uh-huh. You know, Last year was insurmountable. After six straight losses, it was such a nightmare. That whole thing is gone. And, and now... That's that's the the biggest result of yesterday's win in my opinion. Now what you can do on Thursday is really try and, you know, become a good team, yeah. become a competitive team in this division and go two and two, beat a division opponent and let's be honest, the Redskins are beatable. I mean, Kirk Cousins, I agree he's good and he's maybe a better fit in their offense, but he's going to make mistakes as well. I don't think this is a great team in Washington. You just These are the games you're going to have to win.
1: The, the other thing we, we didn't mention about the defense was their uh, the, the defensive line had their ears pinned back again. I mean, they had their second consecutive, go, I want to say great, uh, but good game, mm-hmm. like showing signs of like positivity. And JPP's looking good. And uh, uh, Jameel McClain filling in for Beeson in the middle, he was good. And Mark Herzlick got most of the plays outside. And, you know, he was able to contain and do his job. So, heading into that game on Thursday night, as a Giant fan, you know, I know it's a quick turnaround, I know it's in DC. But there's a lot of factors here that you know could help the Giants out, and if you know you continue to give, here's here's what this is going to be Thursday night, and we'll talk about this next Monday when we do this or Tuesday whenever we do it. But early in the week, I like doing these early in the week. We pound it out, we're ready to go. We preview the next week's games, and we're good. Especially that's the beauty of the NFL with these podcasts. You, you know, you're not going to miss anything during right. the week. But I think with the Giants on Thursday night, it's going to be one of two things. It is gonna be a Redskins blowout <laughs> where you know Kirk Cousins throws for four hundred yards and absolutely destroys the Giants secondary and Washington wins like thirty seven to seventeen or thirty seven to thirteen, something like that. Or it's gonna be back and forth, Eli and Cousins going touchdown for touchdown. I, I just because you know D'Angelo Hall's out. The Redskins' front seven, they scare me a little bit. I mean, they're they a decent front seven on the defensive Arako's line. Arakpo's been
0: nowhere to be found, though.
1: Right, but these inter-division <clears throat> games in Washington, you know, your coach is in your ear all the time. We have to defend home field. We have to win at home. It's not going to be easy for the Giants, but, I mean, the, the last time the Giants went somewhere and won – like, going away, and, and you, you you felt comfortable getting up and going to the bathroom or going to the refrigerator or something, was that, uh, I think it was a Monday-nighter against Carolina, in Carolina. Yeah, I
0: remember that game. Where they it was won a Thursday night game.
1: Thursday night, where they won 36-7. to seven. I remember actually calling my father at halftime and saying, is this the Giants? <laughs> can, Dad, can I shut this one off? He goes, don't shut it off. <laughs>
0: <It's> Dads a- <laughs> always tend to be more pessimistic, yeah. like... My dad's the same way. I'll be like, Dad, they got this one in the bag. And he's like, it's the Giants. <laughs> you never know if they'll, for they're, some reason, throw the ball next and, and they're, they're, pick six. And, they're
1: wiser than we are. And, he, you know, I, I heed my dad's advice all the time. I didn't shut it off. And I savored every second of that 36-7 to seven win. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's either going to be a Redskin blowout victory or it's going to be nip and tuck close giant win by three, like you saw with the Eagles this week. Um, the Eagles just tore the Redskins defense apart. And you would think if the Giants defense could continue their decent play, they'll be able to hold the Redskins. Maybe it's a tight, low scoring game, maybe 20 to 17, or maybe it's just, you know, run and yeah. gun all game down the I, field.
0: I have a Cowboy uh, fan friend, unfortunately, um, and he texted me yesterday and just goes, Eagles are good. And I said, yeah, they are. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're very good. They, I mean, offensively, uh, I, obviously the Giants haven't faced them yet, but they don't look fun to play. No, no,
1: it, it, it's gonna. You know, they, they, they were the correct preseason pick to win the uh, NFC East, and uh, it's gonna be tough, and, and it's an uphill battle. But the Giants can't look at them yet. Uh, they've got to look straight ahead, and that's at the Washington Redskins. And you know, they, they the, the, right before their bye, I believe it's uh, at Philly at Dallas, then they get their bye. So um, it's going to be this. The way the Giants, and they have Atlanta at home, the way the Giants' schedule set up before the bye this year, this is a huge game. They cannot lose this game to no. the Redskins. I mean, because you look in the future, and you can never do that with football because you don't know the injuries that are going to happen week to week. But this, and don't think that Tom Coughlin doesn't know it. It's a must
0: win. That team that played.
1: It's week week three, but it's a must. Week four,
0: but it's a must win. That team that played yesterday. If that team is the Giants, I'm confident in them. But you know, and then I would be willing to say they can win in Washington. They can win at home against Atlanta, and they can win at Dallas. But we really just don't know yet. Yeah,
1: we don't. We don't. Still early. Still too early to tell. Now let's. uh, Segway. Yeah, no, not yet. Uh-huh. I just want to give a tip of the cap one more time. I did it last week. I'm going to do it again this week to Tom Coughlin. Friday's practice, uh, broke out some music and mm-hmm. had a kick-slash-punt-catching competition. You know, they're 0-2. He knows about the 0-6, so we had them have fun. They laughed. Eli Manning came out and said, yeah, we raided his iPod. It was all 90s rap <laughs> stuff. That's good to see, too. It's good to see that, you know, Coughlin, you know, he he knows what he's doing. He's got these guys loose. He's got them believing in themselves. But, and this is a big but, caps lock but, again, it's week four and a lot is riding Thursday night on this game against the Redskins. I mean, this could be, you know, the turning point. If they lose, they could just go in the bag. If they win, I'm not saying it's going to turn their season around, but it's a must win knowing what they have in front of them with their schedule. Now, as for the Yankees' schedule. Segway. <laughs> Maybe I'll just do the voice. <laughs> That's fine. As for the Yankees' schedule, you know, I brought this up. I hosted BP on Sunday, and before I came in, I said, let me let me just check in on these top six AOL car teams just just for the heck of it to see if the Yankees would have actually had a shot if they went on some kind of run. So I start researching it on baseball reference, and the A's going into Sunday were 6-12. The Royals, who are right now the second wild card, went into Sunday, I believe, I want to say they were 9-9. Nine and nine. The team right after them, the Indian, or the sorry, the Mariners, I think they were 10 and nine going into Sunday. The Indians were 10 and 10. The Yankees were nine and 10 and the Jays were nine and nine for the love of God does. And I talked to Buck Martinez, who is the play by play voice for the blue Jays for RSN Roger sports network. And I said to him, I mean, gosh, you look at this and you just say to yourself, does anybody want the postseason?" And he said something very telling. He said to me, you know, Chris, all this money that's being handed out to all these players in the free agency and everything like that, he said money breeds complacency. And that just kind of threw me back for a second. You know, this is a guy who managed, he played, and now he's one of the top broadcasters in his field. In my opinion, I love Buck Martinez. And and he's saying that maybe, maybe, just maybe some of these players are cashing the check and they don't really care. That speaks volumes to me, coming from somebody like
0: him. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think about, you know, if you put yourself in their shoes, Chris, I mean, if you're banged up, you don't think your team's good enough to win the World Series, and you're making a ton of money, do you want – do these guys want to go golfing in Florida? It, I, I, I It's a valid question. I mean, I'm not speculating. I'm not saying that's no, what the no, Yankees are either, doing. No, no, me either, and, me either,
1: either. And, by the way, they just wonder, you know, they want another series. So, if they folded up tents, and I don't think this team folds up tents with Joe Girardi walking in there as the manager, I, it's not happening. The tents aren't folded up until the, there's an E next to the Yankees name, meaning they're eliminated. Now, you could, you can't even speculate that the Yankees are doing this. This is just the way the Yankee season is gone. And my producer and I, the lovely and talented Josh Isaac says to me in my office yesterday, well, look up and see how many runs they've scored per game this month. And we looked it up, three. Anybody who wants to point the, 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 the finger at the pitching is way off. When Chris Capuano goes to the mound, you need to score five runs. Book it. He, he's going to give up three to four. You need to score five. You can't go out there and get shut out. And we looked at these scores of these games, and I said, Josh, and I didn't look it up, because it would take a while, but in September, they've been shut out four times, and it's not like it was eight nothing or five nothing or four nothing or ten nothing. It was one nothing four times. Is that the pitching? Listen, you're not going to win a ball game if you don't score a run, kind of like Wayne's World. I don't have a gun, let alone enough guns to necessitate an entire rack. The Yankees didn't get a run. Not a single run. And with it, listen, I know is banged up. I know Beltron is in and out and, you know, his wife, his, his wife lost their son. And, you know, God bless Beltran and his family. I'm not going to get on this guy. You know, that's bigger than baseball. But he's been up and down all year. You know, with the elbow and then Ellsbury with the hamstring. And, you know... Joe Girardi's faced with this I mean do, do you run Ellsbury out there when you're four and a half back and and it's it's a low grade strain but and no one Ellsbury probably wants to play, but is it worth it? Is it really worth it at this point you have six games left four no, seven as we as we taped this today seven games left and you're four and a half back. I, I just don't know. You know, because if he if he tears it, then his off season is, you know, it, it it's getting the hamstring back. Right. You don't want to do that. I mean, I get not playing Ellsbury to share his wrist. Just get
0: him healthy enough already. Sit down. D- don't play anymore. I think. I think that Yankee fans' expectations, while we're on the topic of Te- Teixeira, need to change a little bit. And it's not necessarily the fans' problem. It's it's mostly because the, he's been their cleanup hitter for the most of the year. So the problem, Mark Teixeira is a great defensive first baseman and a guy who's going to hit for some power. I think that's pretty much all we can expect at this moment uh, from him. And like you said about complacency and, and their offense, when we were a month ago speculating about the Yankees' chances of, of making the wild card, it always was. Well, they're only two and a half back, but they need to change significantly in order to win. It. You know, it was always. Well, they're only three out with a month to go, but if they keep playing the way they've been playing all year, they don't have a shot. And somehow you expect the team to change and go on a run, but usually teams are who they are, and the Yankees are a pretty good, to decent, to mediocre team that just doesn't score enough runs. And now they're, you know, getting hit with injuries. So. No, no miracle can happen if if you don't allow it to happen by by changing the way you play you and know the, yeah. the Yankees haven't scored enough runs to go on one of those runs they're they're 80 and 75
1: as we're talking right now and that doesn't shock me whatsoever because you remember a couple podcasts back we broke the season down by the 20 game stretches their their best was 12 and 8 they were they were between 9 and 11 and 12 and 8 through the first seven, seven 20-game stretches of the season. So 80 and 75, would it shock you if this team was just above 500? No, that's what they've played to all season. To lose 80% of your starting rotation and be over 500, I mean, it's not saying too much if you're the Yankees, but to me it is if if you're a Major League Baseball team. Mm -hmm. If you you had to play – the bulk of your season without four fifths of your starters and you're in it in September, (laughs) that that's pretty impressive. And it's a shame because if the Yankees think about it going into Sunday, they were nine and 10. Okay. 19 games. Figure if they were 14 and five, 13-6 13-6 over that stretch, they're half game, game out. But this is the type of baseball they've been playing all year. Right. So it shouldn't shock you. You know, they're going to go out like a lamb. All right? But it shouldn't shock you. And Masahiro Tanaka coming back, that, that that's the other point I wanted to bring up. I mean, I have mixed feelings about that. Now, you know, you you read the guy, Ken Davidoff had a great column today in the Post, and he said, you know, it, it was very positive for him to go out there, get into the sixth inning, not finish it, but get into the sixth inning. His splitter looked good, his curveball looked good, his fastball was, I think, averaging around 91, and before he went out, it was averaging around 93. He did hit 94 once, I think, yesterday. You know, they everything I've read, everything I look into, most of these guys, Chris Carpenter is a perfect example. He had the partial tear, pitched with it, rehabbed, but eventually needed the surgery. So you're gonna walk on eggshells every time this guy goes to the mound from here until he probably needs the surgery in the future when he could be getting it and rehabbing and getting
0: back. As unfortunate as it is, Chris, it's what doctors said. You know, doctors didn't want him to have Tommy John. It's a a waste. It's, you know, a year off that he may not need for now. So this strategy does work, and it's why I don't think they need to go after John Lester or Max Scherzer this offseason. You can expect, if he feels good and he's throwing all right, a few years, you can't expect... 10 straight years of non-Tommy John pitching, but you kind of have to go with it. The Yankees did, weren't given another choice. No doctor recommended Tommy John. So they would have had to go out of their way to go get it. That's the only way. I mean, that's the only way I disagree with you. It's just I understand that it's unfortunate that you have to walk on eggshells every time out, watch his pitch count, make sure he doesn't throw 125 pitches. He's your but, ace.
1: Let, Let's be honest.
0: Yeah, he's, he's your the ace. He's
1: staff. So – I, I disagree with you in the fact that they're going to have to go after either Scherzer or Lester because if Tanaka goes down in April or May next year, they're they're right back to where they started from this year.
0: But that's been good. <laughs> I mean, how, how do you make it's, the argument that it, it, you're, you're going to no, no, need no. Max Scherzer you're right. and John Lester? You're, you're
1: right. You're right. But do you think they're not going to go after either one of them?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I would never, ever bet against them going after a big arm on the open market. But
1: their problem is... And, and Doug, you're right for bringing it up. Their problem isn't the pitching; it's 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 the lineup. And and the problem has been, you know, Teixeira has a wrist. Teixeira has a hammy. Uh, Beltran has an elbow. Uh, these guys—they're they're not young. They need to get younger. They do. They need a young bat. I'm not saying they're going to bring in Giancarlo Stanton. They Which might would be nice. <laughs> they might. <laughs> Who knows? But. Um, you know, Brian McCann, he's been up and down. He hit the two homers on Sunday. I think he's fine. I, I I don't expect big things out of him at the plate. I mean, he could provide them. His past has said that. His baseball card has said that. But that's what Mark Teixeira always says. Just, you know, don't worry about my numbers. Just look at the back of my baseball card. Well, none of these guys played to the back of their baseball card this year.
0: None. Top to bottom, none. Well, a few things come to mind. First of all, I hate to say it, but Brian McCann has been hitting twenty-something home runs for his whole career, and he's hitting twenty-something home runs. So we kind of have to say that we've gotten around what we expected right. out and of him.
1: I, I expect
0: his work behind the plate, right. more than I expect, yeah. on the side of the plate. And you know, it's it's a it's a tough situation, Chris. And I, I do want to ask you this question. And it's just an open end question. Maybe we can tackle it next time. Um. Do you look at this season, assuming that you know it's it's tough, the odds are not in favor of the Yankees for making the playoffs, but do you look at this season, assuming it's all said and done, they're not out of the playoffs, I mean, they are out of the playoffs, um, do you, would you look at this as a success? It's amazing that they got even close, considering four-fifths of their rotation was out, which is impressive, but would you look at it that way, glass half full, or do you look at it the fact that the Yankees spent $500 million this offseason? And you just said... Next year, the priority has to be the lineup, right? But how much work can you do on that lineup? You can't. When you have Beltron in right field signed on for another year, you have to share a two year in your first it? baseman. Yeah, two years. Yeah, you have to share as your first baseman. You have a Rod coming back to play third, presumably. You have McCann who struggled at points this year. Ellsbury who struggled with injuries. You're you're kind of set, or a negative word to use would be stuck with most of the hitters in this lineup. So what is your outlook? And, and maybe we, we get into this I more wanna, next I week. Wanna,
1: I want to tease it, but I think that should be the, uh, along with football, that should be the basis of our Yankee discussion next week. Um, I, I look at it, and look, I'm not trying to flip-flop here, but you can't not look at it as a partial success, especially, and everybody wants to give Girardi you know, lumps on his head, because he overmanages, but to me, and I sound like a broken record, but four-fifthsy rotation lost for most of the season, and, and you're over 500. That that's an accomplishment. It is. I know you expect to be in the playoffs and win a World Series every year, but that that is a small, let me say, infinitesimal accomplishment. I'm not going to completely poo-poo the Yankee season this year. I'm not. You can't, based on what they did. With the spare parts that they brought in, and let's face it, who they brought in were spare parts at the time. Uh, McCarthy is not a spare part right now; <laughs> he's pitched his his, his head off. Um, but as far as spending half a billion dollars and ending up where they're ending up, uh, that that just goes to show, you know, the Cardinals were willing to let go of Beltron. Uh, the Yankees signed him to a three-year deal. How much did he play this year? How much was he impactful this year? He had stretches. He had little runs where he was hitting the ball. But for the most part, he wasn't really doing anything. He should have had the
0: surgery, by the way, when yeah. his injury
1: first came yeah, out. Yeah, he should have. Um, but like I said, we could talk about this more next week. But that's the basis of my thought process. And, you know, let's wait a week. Let's see where they are. Uh, they'll probably be uh, officially mathematically eliminated. Um, by uh, the middle of this week or the weekend. Um, so we'll we'll see. And then next Monday or Tuesday when we get back on, we'll be basically wrapping up the Yankee season because they'll have played their last se- uh, series in, in Boston and Derek Jeter's last game uh, of his career up at Fenway on Sunday.
0: I'll be in Boston. but Are you going to be there?
1: I will not. I will not be there. So you, you could give me the blow-by-blow uh, blow, yep. uh, from being up there at Fenway Park. Um, I'm envious, uh, but at the same time, you know, my services aren't needed. What could I tell you? <laughs> so I'll be back here watching on TV, and that's fine with me. Uh, Derek G., I just can't believe I'm, I'm saying these words. It's his final regular season or his final game. Let, let's be honest. It'll be his final game uh, with the exception of Old Timers Day. Uh, it's just going to be weird seeing you know the guys that you grew up watching win championships – Now at old timers Day, you know, now I know what my dad feels like What what my uncles, my great uncles, what they all feel like when they see these guys out there, gosh, it's going to be weird. Like Derek Jeter at, you know,
0: fantasy camp. Do you ever, you know, think about a moment like Derek Jeter's last game? And are you, even if you're working, let's say you're doing BP, Mm -hmm. are you able to step away from, from your responsibilities and kind of recognize that moment? As something that you really can cherish, and being as close as we are to it, it's hard because it's work. But it is just something that you'll never see again. You know.
1: Well, last year when when Mo when they took him out of the game, I got, I got to tell you, I mean, I know he got emotional. My emotion wasn't like upset or you know choked up. I just had a smile from ear to ear. And this is why, because this guy put so much into this team for so long and gave us the fans uh, and the people who covered him so many great memories that I just knew, you know, him getting emotional, his eyes welling up, it was over, but at the same time, the next chapter is beginning for him. He could spend all the time with his family. He could do all those charitable events. Like when Metallica, they had the, the Mariano Day. And Metallica was out in center field and they played for him. Again, I I, I laughed. I, I just, I smiled. You know, because I saw him and he was smiling. He was happy. Jeter's going to be different though. I just have this feeling Jeter's going to be different for me. Not Field of Dreams different for me, but... And I don't know why it's maybe because of what he's meant. Mo meant the same thing, and he was kind of the same professional that Jeter was off the field. How many times did you hear about Marion Rivera getting into trouble off the field? Zero, zilch, nada, none. Um, but it's just something about Jeter's from Jersey, and you know he did everything the right way. And it, he, I just, heard, I'll, I'll give you this quick anecdote before we go, but a friend of mine from South River in New Jersey, where I grew up, uh, Greg Stout, his daughter, Tara passed away. Uh, she was 10, I believe, and she had cancer. And one of Greg's friends ran a Ford dealership. And this was when Jeter was doing those Ford commercials, had the spots, And he set up a meeting. Tara loved the Yankees, loved Jeter, like all <laughs> women do and of any age. Uh, so this friend of Greg's set up a meeting between Derek and Tara, and, you know, Greg said it was supposed to be just quick thing where Derek says hi and said maybe sign something for her, and that's it. Well, Jeter meets Tara and then spends an hour and a half with her, brings her on his bus, which which was made specifically for him to his uh, customizations, uh, specifications. And Greg is in there taking pictures, shaking. He said most of the pictures came out blurry because he couldn't hold the camera still. And Derek is sitting there asking Tara, do you want to be my... do you have a boyfriend? Do you want to be my boyfriend? But, see, those are the stories. And I'm sure Mo has some too, but... When it hits that close to home for you, when when you know it's a it, it's a friend, and and he has this in his in his me, in his memory banks, and he's just sitting there and he's talking about his daughter who passed away. And let's be honest, I mean, a decade isn't long enough uh, to be on this earth, to be on the planet, and for Derek Jeter to get it to realize it, and to spend ninety minutes with her instead of just a brief hi and yeah, I'm busy, I can't spend any time with you. You know, those are the types of things that I'll remember about this guy. It wasn't just about on the field. It wasn't just about performing on the field and doing it to the highest ability till at least 40 years old at probably the hardest position on a baseball diamond at shortstop. But it was doing charitable work and being human off the field.
0: Yeah, and that's very true. And that's one of those circumstances, too, where the cameras weren't on, you know, and – Hal Steinbrenner always says it, and he includes Jeter. And when and his his dad's quote was, "It's not charity if more than two people know about it." Right. And you know, our receptionist here at Yes, Brielle is going through treatment for lymphoma. She has voicemails from Derek Jeter on her phone. That, I mean, that's not. There's no camera watching him yeah. do that. That's yeah. him sitting in his you know West Village apartment on his own, thinking about other people and the busy life that he leads. Um, he's made relationships with the people who really need it and the people he really cares about. And I pride myself, I'm not being hardened by everything. And I think that it's important for people like us to be able to appreciate these people that have given so much to the game and, you know, without them, we don't have anything to talk about. Right. Just, you have to learn to separate it.
1: Right. You do. That's the one thing that took me a while to learn, but I did. I mean, you separate the professional part of your job from, you know, what you basically had ingrained in your DNA since you were conceived, uh, since you were a zygote, it it takes a little while, but, um, embryo zygote. I don't know. I don't know the proper way you progress as a single cell and then start to multiply. I don't know. I don't know if it is whatever it is, what it is. Uh, somebody will call me or tweet me or whatever, if they've listened this long and you always do. I don't know why I say that all the time, Uh, especially Brielle. She's one of our biggest fans. So quick shout out to Breezy. Uh, We miss you, and we always think of you here. And uh, we hope you're doing well, and we hope you get better soon. Um, That's all I got. How about you?
0: Yeah, I'm done.
1: Another flawless, effortless 51 minutes from Doug Williams and Chris Shearn. You're welcome, America. We'll see you next time, next week here on another Chris Sheeran Show. That's hashtag CSS. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Chris Sheeran, yes, at Doug Williams, yes. You can also download this on iTunes for free. Take care, everybody.